Hello and welcome. I don't know what episode this is, but my name is Lindsay Niemans and welcome to Dying to Know, the podcast. I 23. Is it 23? Yeah. Okay. I'm Jimmy. 23. <laughs> Nobody cares who you are. <laughs> Go figure. I'm just kidding. I love you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, we're going to dive right into it because it's really late and you have to work tomorrow. <laughs> It's like, so, here, God. Ah. Uh, that being said, this I, I compared it earlier when I was telling you what I was doing. I compared it to, this is this is my men in black. Like, I, I am putting on my tinfoil hat today and diving into the thickets of conspiracies. Okay? Okay. And fun fun, it's a Russian one. So. Today we are talking about the Dyatlov Pass incident. Yeah, this actually was a point of contention between us because I almost picked the same topic yes. last episode. Yes. And you were like, no, go ahead and do it. Go ahead and do it. And I was like, no, no, I, no, no. I'm not going to lie. I really didn't want you to do it because I had already then started doing a bunch fucking, of research on it. See, all right, time the fuck out. Because this <laughs> is where guys always say to women, Tell us what you want. None of this. Yeah, but like conspiracy oh, theories fine. are your thing. Yeah, but if you want to fucking do it, say, Jimmy, don't do that episode. I want to do it. We wouldn't have had the headache of playing, does she want me to do it? Does she not want me to do it? Does she want to do it? Does she not want to do it? Just, hey, look, Jimmy, shut the fuck up. I want to do this topic. Jimmy, shut the fuck up. I want to do this topic. See? Look how easy that was. <laughs> Especially considering I've already written like seven and a half pages on it. So There you go. All right. In January of 1959, 23-year-old radio engineering student Igor Dyatlov formed a group for a skiing expedition. Okay. Uh, the group, consisting of nine others, were mostly students and peers at the Ural Polytechnical Institute, and each member of the group was an experienced grade two hiker uh, with ski touring experience. Uh, so, 10 total? Ten people total? Yes, ten people okay. total. I didn't know if it was him plus nine or nine yeah, total. Him plus nine. Okay. Um so the uh I'm gonna run through their names really quick so that they sound somewhat familiar when I read them off later. Do but it because Russian names are awesome. I'm not gonna lie, I shortened them. Um <laughs> because I have to say a few of them a few times. Okay. So we have Igor. Classic. Uh, yeah. Yuri. Okay. I'm just going to call it Yuri. Yuri, yeah. I'm American. Uh, Luda, Georgi, Alexander, which is A L E K S A N D E R. Yeah, that's. Uh, Zena, Rustam, Nick, and another Yuri, but he's only in it very briefly. So okay. uh, I identify him as Yuri Yudin. So I'll probably just call him Yudin so that we know okay. the difference. Um, okay. So the goal of their expedition, which is obviously led by Igor, uh, was to reach the peak of Gora or Tortin, which is a mountain in the northern Urals mountain range in Soviet Russia. Okay. The name of the mountain, Gora or Tortin, uh, is actually Mansi, which is the like indigenous people of the mountain. Uh, it's their name for it, which means don't go there. 
See, anytime anything's like, like, why are you gonna call, climb something called like? To be devil, fair, devil's heartache. <laughs> to be fair, it's another language. They don't understand Mansi. And when's the last time you looked into a mountain's the the meaning behind its name? If I'm gonna like climb <laughs> a mountain and it's got some like crazy ass name, like Kalaxadu, I'd be like, why the fuck is it called Kalaxadu? You look it up and it means fiery death in another language. Probably not gonna climb it. To be fair, this is 1959. They may not have had access to. The information very easily. Whatever. Moving on. <laughs> uh, the route that they would take at that time of year was estimated to be a Category 3. Okay, so they're all Category 2. This trail is going to be Category 3. So it's harder. Yes. Than, okay. It is the most difficult to traverse, and upon their return, the group would be awarded grade 3 certification, which is the highest available in the Soviet Union at the time. Okay, so it's basically, this is like the hardest mountain path to climb if you can do this. You're badasses, and we're going to certify you. Yes. Okay. On January 25th, 1959, uh, the group, consisting of eight men and two women, arrived in Vizai. And this is the last inhabited village to the north before they begin their trek up the mountain. Okay. So they stay there for two days and purchase food supplies to keep their energies up during the expedition. Uh, in in Vizai, they meet a man named Sasha. Yep. Uh, who was another hiker whose group had canceled their hiking plans last minute. So he kind of eagerly asks Igor if he can join their group instead. Okay. Uh, which I'm just going to assume is because he's already there. He's probably already got all of his supplies. All of stuff, he's like, ready to go. Exactly. And uh, the groups, uh, like, it took them about a week to get from uh, the, the university to Vizai. Like, they had to take two trains, a bus, and then, like, a snow, uh, sorry, a horse-drawn, like, sleigh to get to Vizai. So, it, I mean, it, it had already it taken them it so much time to get there. It wasn't something you can just go, like, hey, I'm going to do this. Like, exactly. Like, you had to plan it. Yes. Uh, so, the group was a bit apprehensive of Sasha at first because he was not only a complete stranger, but he's also much older than them. Uh, he is 38 years old, to be exact, where uh, the rest of them are all in their early to mid-20s. Obviously, they're, they're university students. Okay. Uh, he was also covered in strange tattoos, which uh, one of which was just a long series of letters that didn't mean anything in any known language. Okay. Uh, but... He told them that he was a hiking instructor with experience on Gora or Torten. Uh, so ultimately, the group decided that he could come along. And by the following day, he had been completely accepted by the group of friends. Like, okay. Uh, so they all got along. On January 27th, the group of now 10 people uh, begin their trek towards Gora or Torten. Uh, the next day, one of the men, Yori Yudin... Uh, who suffered from several health problems, including rheumatism and a congenital heart defect, uh, decided to turn back after experiencing knee and joint pain, which made him unable to continue the hike. 
Little did he know. Yeah, right. Uh, so the remaining group of nine carried on without him and then just dispersed whatever supplies he had amongst all of them. The group is ten, right? Because they have the additional guy. I'm sorry. Okay. I just no, no, make no. Sure. I mean, yes, it's ten. It's I'm... nine of the originals plus homeboy that they picked up. Yes. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't lo- losing track. No, yeah, sorry. That's, yeah, that was that was on me. Okay. Um, oh, that I must have forgotten a name up here. Yeah, because I only have ten listed here. Yeah, and then the dude they picked up, which is... No, I have ten, including the guy that... Whatever. Okay. Obviously, it wasn't important. Damn. (laughs) Obviously, they don't matter. Cold-blooded. So, yeah, he drops out, uh, returns to Vizai. They carry on without him. Okay. Diaries and cameras found around their last campsite made it possible to track the group's thoughts, experience, and their route up to the day preceding the incident. Okay. Okay. Uh, spoiler alert: None of them make it out alive. <laughs> the the ones that continued onward. Yes. Yuri, who turned back, survived. Yes. Okay. Yes, he I survived. Sure, I wanted to clarify. Uh, as the expedition made their way up the mountain via a trail created by the indigenous Mansi people, uh, they passed various signs posted on trees written in the Mansi dialect. Uh, I couldn't find anything that said specifically what the sign said, but I would assume turn back now. I was going to say, sign one, probably. Caution all ye who enter here. No, turn back. Yeah. Sign two, turn back now. (laughs) Sign three, turn back for realsies. (laughs) Sign four, turn back for realsies, no foolies. Sign five. Turn the fuck around. <laughs> um, but they didn't understand what the signs said. Because if they did, they would have turned the fuck around. Because the Mansi people said no foolsies. <laughs> uh, when night came and the group set up camp, they all slept in a giant 13-foot tent that Igor had custom built. Uh, it was a triangle-shaped canvas... That was supported by poles on either end and a rope that ran along the top. So, kind of oh, like like a traditional, like a traditional tent. Tent, yes. Uh, That's not a big tent for ten people. No. Okay, and this is uh, February in the Soviet Union. It cold. I mean, to be fair, they're probably sleeping very compact to stay warm. Yeah. Uh, he'd also built a collapsible chimney so that they could keep the camping stove running inside for warmth. It's actually pretty cool. Creative, yeah. Uh, on January 30th, the weather took a turn for the worse. Uh, the temperature dropped drastically and the wind blew in their faces and it began to snow. Uh, the Mansi trail that they had been following ends abruptly. The forest begins to thin out, and the trees that they see as they ascend were misshapen and sprouted from the snow at crooked angles. That's another bad sign. Yeah. By mid-afternoon, the group is so tired, uh, uh, sorry, is too tired to keep fighting the wind, and they decide to stop, stop and set up camp. Okay. One of the two women, Luda... Uh, was so tired 
she collapsed by the fire and refused to move, even though the group had a rule that no one was allowed to sit by the fire until all of the chores were done. So tents got to be set up, yeah. food's got to be unpacked. Like No slacking off, do your work. Exactly. Uh, there was also a large hole in the side of the tent that needed patching uh, before anyone could really relax. And one of the men, Nick, decided to pick a fight about it. But Luda still wouldn't get up and Nick refused to fix the hole himself. Eventually, one of the other men fixed the hole, but by then the whole the group's like whole mood had soured. And Luda uh, shut herself in the tent and wouldn't come out until after dinner. Okay. So this is a beginning of strange behavior right here. Sort of, yeah. Okay. Uh, but by the next morning, January 31st, the tension had eased, but the weather had still gotten worse. Uh, the sky was clear, but somehow it was still snowing. And the wind was so fierce that in his journal, Igor compared it to the blast from a plane's jet engine. Uh, That's probably where the snow was coming from, was blowing it off the ground. Exactly. Uh, The wind and snow were so bad that the group was only traveling about a mile per hour throughout the entire day. And by 4 p.m., they gave up and decided to settle in for the night. This is the 31st? Yes. Okay. That is the last written information we have from their journals. That's why I was wondering, because I know a, a little bit about this. Yeah. And I knew shit goes down on the first and the second. Yes. That's why I was curious. Yeah. Uh, so, the morning of February 1st, the group uh, prepared to move through the mountain pass, and before they left camp, they created a cache to store their extra food, skis, and equipment to make the remaining climb a bit lighter on them. So they they stored basically any extra supplies that they really didn't need. Um, And they would pick these back up on their way back down the mountain. Pictures from that morning showed the group in good... And I have pictures on my computer, but I left it over there. So I'll show you later. We'll get them after. And we'll post them on our social media stuff. Yeah. Um... Oh, sorry. So pictures from that morning showed the group in good spirits, smiling and laughing. Uh, But by the afternoon, the images looked almost apocalyptic, showing only dark figures kind of trudging in a line through whiteout conditions. Okay. Uh, So left in good spirits, and as the day went on, the weather turned to shit. Yes. Uh, The last picture from that day is actually difficult to decipher or even tell what it really is uh it appears to be a bright white streak moving and blurred down the left side of the image against a black background uh now it is possible that uh that this was caused by an accidental exposure when the pictures were being developed that's kind of what i I seemed like to me or what that sounded like when you yeah um but if it was taken by the hikers, there are really only two things it could be given when it was taken. Okay. I pulled up the picture because I was curious. Oh. <laughs> I thought, I'm like, are you really chatting with someone while I'm no, trying to no, do no, this? No, 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 no. I was pulling up the picture because I was but curious. But yeah, that's it right there. Um, hmm. 
uh, the camera was found in the tent attached to a tripod. So it's likely that the camera was sitting still to capture the picture, uh, which in turn means that to explain the motion blur, the light would have had to be moving. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm confused on something. Maybe I missed it. I'm tired and I'm like, so uh, they were planning at the end of this day to store all their equipment. They didn't store it that morning. No, they stored it that morning. But they still have like the cameras and stuff with them? Yeah. Okay. I figured that would be something like, granted, I know you want to take pictures, but you figure like. The cameras, like they're, they're so this like is just film excess cameras. Gear. They're, they're not like, This is yeah. like excess gear. This isn't yes. like their tent and all that kind of no, stuff. No, they, okay. they brought all that with them. Okay. Just making sure. Uh, uh, so it's most probable that if someone, that the picture is of someone waving a flashlight or okay. it's some kind of glowing object moving through the night sky. Okay. So, uh, it seems that the group planned to get over the mountain pass and camp on the other side the next night. Uh, but because of worsening weather conditions, i.e. the snowstorms and decreased visibility, uh, they lost their direction and ended up heading west toward the top of another peak called Kolatsiakl. Okay. Uh, which, in Mansi translates to dead mountain so don't go here in dead mountain mm -hmm. yep uh, when they realized their mistake the group decided to stop and set up camp there uh, on the mountain slope and uh, this was rather than moving the approximate mile downhill to a forested area that would have given uh, at least some shelter from mm -hmm. the poor weather. Uh, Yori Yudin, the hiker that dropped out, uh, guessed that they may have done this because either Igor didn't want to lose the altitude that they had already gained, or he decided to practice camping on the slope. Yeah, because that's where a lot of like the information about their plans and everything come from the guy who turned back around. Because yeah. he, he basically was like, this was what we were intending on doing each day. Exactly. Okay. Uh, now, before leaving for the trip, Igor had agreed to send a telegram to the sports club at the university as soon as the group returned to Visay. Uh, they were expected back no later than February 12th, but uh, Igor had told Yuri Yudin that, uh, sorry, before they split off, that he expected it would probably take longer, which Yudin then conveyed when he got back to the university. Okay. So he was he basically told them like, hey, I dropped out. You know, he said the 12th, but he also told me he thought it would take longer. So uh, when the 12th passed and no messages were received, there was no immediate worry as delays of a few days were expected and common with such expeditions. Okay, so last time we, anyone, the evidence of their them being okay was the 31st yes or the first uh the last evidence of anyone hearing from them was the 28th when, when yuri, yuri and dropped off out. of them yes but like the last the pictures last... were taken the the 31st the... oh i thought it was the morning of. The oh sorry first. no no you're, you're you're right you're right it was the morning, morning and the... like afternoon of, of the, the first. first okay so now we're jumping ahead to the 12th no one's heard from them yes okay no one's heard from them uh however by february 20th 
So jumping all, even a little bit further ahead there. So eight days pa- over a full week past where they were supposed to be back. Yes. Uh, there is still no word from the group. It had been, at this point, nearly four weeks since the hikers' families had heard from them, and some relatives began demanding a rescue operation. Uh, The head of the university was actually the first to send out rescue groups, which consisted mostly of volunteer students and staff, Okay. uh, when the authorities initially refused to get involved. So basically, the authorities are like, look, they're hiking. Like, I'm sure they're fine. Um, Later, though, the army and militia forces would employ planes and helicopters to aid in the rescue operation. So on. So we're we're kind of jumping ahead, but we're also going to go back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's how this I mean, because you got to you're explaining how they the order they found stuff. Yes. And then how they pieced it together. Yes. Uh, So on February 26th. Okay. Okay. Uh, the searchers found the group's abandoned and badly damaged tent on Kolatsiakal. Okay. The campsite itself baffled the search party. Uh, the student who found the tent said that it was half torn down and covered with snow. Uh, it was empty of people and all of the group's belongings and shoes had been left behind. Okay. Are you still looking at pictures? Oh, no, no, okay. I, no, I just have our, our sound mixer up to make sure it doesn't screw up. Just because there is a picture of, like, the tent when they found it. Um, is it, like, super tattered like that? Yes, that's it. Okay, yeah. There's a few shots of it, but yeah, it's completely, like, ripped it's, up, It's basically. in shambles. Yeah. Uh, investigators found that the tent had been cut open on one side from the inside. That's my favorite detail. Of this, yes. <laughs> is that their their freaking shoes are inside, uh-huh. but the tent was cut open from the inside. Yeah. That, like, I, that right there, that one piece is what, mm-hmm. like, raised all the red flags for me the first oh, yeah. time I heard about this. Yeah. Uh, so, nine sets of footprints left by people who were only wearing socks or a single shoe or some were even completely barefoot. Uh, one set even showed that someone with smaller feet had tried to step in the prints left by someone walking ahead of them. Uh, so all these footprints could be followed, uh, which led toward the edge of the nearby forested area. So they ended up walking down that way. Um, which again was a little less than a mile away. However, after 1600 feet, the tracks were covered with snow. Uh, But when they continued following in that general direction at the forest's edge under a large pine tree, the searchers found the visible remains of a small fire uh, beside the first two bodies, uh, which were Yorgi and Yuri, the the other Yuri. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, who were shoeless and dressed only in their underwear. So they were completely stripped down, basically. So this one, I'm assuming underwear, like when they say down to their underwear, like long johns? Uh, I saw a picture of the bodies. Like... It's straight up like boxers. Okay. okay. Um, the branches on the tree above them were broken up to 16 feet high, which suggested uh, one at least one of the hikers had climbed the tree, possibly to look back for their camp. Um, 
Now, it should also be stated, because I, I didn't write it in here, but I, I do mention it later, that the footstep, the footprints that were in the snow leading away from the tent indicated that everyone had walked away calmly. That like like there there wasn't any real rush to okay. the footsteps. They were an even like pacing, pacing. away from Not each like other running and strides, but no. like walking strides. Yes. Uh, so this group like cut themselves out of the side of the tent and then just calmly walked away. So that just weirds me out. I have a theory about it. Okay. I, I have a, I have a. A plethora of theories here. Oh yeah, so do I. But I, I have a theory about the, the cutting out of the tent and mm-hmm. them leaving the tent. Um. Okay, so... Uh, in the snow, between the pine tree and the camp. So mm-hmm. between the pine tree and, and where they left their tent. Searchers found three more bodies. Those of Igor, Xena, and Rustam. Okay. Like, in that order, basically. Um... All three seem to have died in poses, suggesting they were attempting to return to the tent. Uh, they were found separately at distances of 980 feet. And then, uh, sorry, they found basically they found Igor 980 feet from where the tree was. And then from Igor, another almost 600 feet out was Xena. And then from her, another 500 feet out was Rustam. But... And he was the farthest one, like, he was the closest to the tent, mm-hmm. but he was still, like, 2,800 feet away from it. So he, gotcha. he wasn't even halfway to it. Okay. Uh, finding the remaining four hikers took more than two months after that. Uh, they were finally found on May 4th under 13 feet of snow in a ravine 250 feet further into the woods from the pine tree. Okay. Uh, three of those four were more warmly dressed than the others, which uh, shows signs that those who had died first had had their clothes taken by the others. Okay, so the which ones that they explains, found dead, they were stripped. Yes, which explains why they were basically stripped down is because likely the people that outlived them took, took their, their clothes. clothes. Uh... I keep losing my spot, <laughs> my my place. Um, so Luda was wearing Georgi's burned, torn trousers, and on her left foot and shin was uh, she had wrapped up a torn jacket. And some of the clothes that that are that are on these these other bodies that obviously belong to other people. Some of them are like ripped and cut like they had been kind of forcibly removed yes yeah they're probably freezing they're probably like in a panic exactly uh a legal inquest was started immediately after the discovery of the first five bodies and a medical examination found no injuries that might have led to their deaths and it was eventually concluded that all five of them had died of hypothermia Hypothermia. yeah uh rustum who was the one that was found halfway to the tent, basically, uh, had a small crack in his skull that was thought not to be fatal and slight bruising on his knuckles, but that's it. Okay. So, 
the examination of the other four bodies found in May raised a lot more questions, though. Uh, while it was noted that Alexander had died of hypothermia, there was a wound behind one of his ears, and his neck was twisted at an odd angle. Like someone broke his neck. Yes. Uh, the three others were marked as having were were actually marked on like their autopsies as having died from fatal injuries. Um, Nick had a major skull fracture, and uh, both Luda and Sasha had major chest fractures. And according to the medical examiner, the force required to cause such damage would have been extremely high, comparable to the force of a car crash. So uh, three of the four bodies were also found to have tissue damage to their heads and faces. Luda was missing her tongue, her eyes, part of her lips, as well as some facial tissue and a fragment of her skull. Uh, Sasha was also missing his eyes and Alexander was missing his eyebrows. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, the medical examiner explained these injuries were a result of the bodies being located in and near a stream at the bottom of the ravine. So he's saying that it's just natural deterioration, I guess. Okay. From them being like exposed to the cold and the water. I, I don't know. I would, uh, if I'm... Go ahead. <laughs> uh, I was also going to say that... Uh, There were also high radiation levels found on two of the hikers' clothes. Uh, I know one of them is Alexander, and there's some kind like it's it's kind of fishy because Alexander was a nuclear physics student, so it wouldn't have been unusual for him to be around, you know, radioactive isotopes. Yes, but there's no reason he should have them. On this mountain, unless, like... No, no, so... Unless he was carrying a rock that had... Radio- that's like, the only thing that makes sense, because, like... Because I've listened to a podcast on this one, mm-hmm. and they even said, like, he would have had to get off work and never not change his clothes... Yeah. ...to maintain the level of radiation that, that they he had. found. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh... And even then, it would have deteriorated over time. Like, exactly. Like, really odd. Um, I think the other person, because I couldn't find anything, like, stating who exactly had radiation. Like, I assume it's Alex because of what he was studying. Mm -hmm. But, like, the other person is never named. And I assume that it's Sasha because Alex, Alex and Sasha's bodies were found beside each other. Okay, yeah. So, I, uh... Sorry, I lost my train of thought. I had only heard of one person having high levels of radiation. So I I found I found multiple sources that stated two. two. Okay. Uh, although to be fair, Wikipedia only lists one. I had only heard one. But but like I said, I found several other okay. sources that appear to be reliable that did state two. Okay. Uh. On a side note. Uh, Sasha was also found to have a notepad and pen clutched in his right hand, but there was nothing written on it. And um, there was also a second camera 
found around his neck, although the film inside was badly damaged by the snow. Only one image was pulled from the film, which is barely visible. Uh, this picture I couldn't find, though. So I don't know if it's been released or if I just I just couldn't find it. Whose camera was it? It was around Sasha's neck. Okay. Uh, but it seems to show a big, bright light filling most of the frame and three dark shapes along the bottom resembling the tops of people's heads. Okay. Uh, he was also found to be the only one still wearing his shoes. So it's speculating. Yeah, he, he's the only one that was actually like completely dressed. Uh, so it's speculated that he may have left the tent before everyone else to take that photo. Okay. So he was the one that... Okay. They think that maybe he was the first one out of the tent. Yes. Saw something and was like, we gotta move. Yes. Okay. Uh... There was initial speculation that the Mansi people, who are actually reindeer herders that are local to the mountain, had attacked and killed the group for trespassing on their land. But this was largely dismissed as the Mansi were regarded as a peaceful people. And after several of them were interrogated, the investigators found the nature of the hikers' deaths didn't support an attack like that. Uh, and the only the hikers' footprints were visible, and besides Rustam's slightly bruised knuckles, none of the hikers showed any sign of hand-to-hand struggle. Okay. There's the picture. Oh. I'll save this website okay. so we can... Yeah. You can post these pictures. Uh, whatever. So whatever had forced the hikers out of their tent must have been more terrifying than the thought of freezing to death since they left so much of their stuff behind. But it wasn't so terrifying as to run away as indicated by the calm marching fashion in which they made their way to the tree line. Okay. (laughs) Uh, The absence of a guilty party and the medical examiner citing a quote, compelling force of nature as the cause of many injuries led investigators to focus on natural causes. Uh, specifically an avalanche. Investigators claimed the group woke in a panic, ran from the tent. Five of them eventually succumbed to hypothermia, having left the tent in various states of undress. And the other four were buried by part of the avalanche under 13 feet of snow, and scavengers got to their soft tissue and Luda's tongue. Okay. Uh, Why this theory doesn't work. (laughs) One... There is, there was no sign of an actual avalanche. The, the bodies were only under a thin layer of snow a month after having died. So if, it, if there was an avalanche, they would have been under deep snow anyway. Yeah. But then in that month, it snowed more. So they would have been completely buried and they were only under a thin layer. Uh, plus, there would have been more damage to the other four that had the injuries and to the tree line to indicate that there had been that sudden movement of snow. Uh, Two, given the time of year and over a hundred expeditions since the incident to Kolotsiakol, zero reports of avalanche conditions have have been made in that area. So there's no indication that it's even likely to, to to have an avalanche there. 
uh, three if, if, underline if, there had been an avalanche, uh, the slope that they were resting on uh, would have sent the avalanche past the tent. So like, okay. like to the side of it. Uh, the tent, now granted, the tent was collapsed on one side, but it wasn't from snow. the force of any snowfall. Uh, four, Igor was an experienced skier and hiker with, uh, like we talked about, a grade two certification bordering on grade three. Uh, Sasha was studying uh, for his master's certification in ski education and mountain hiking. Neither of those two would have camped near potential avalanche conditions. Yeah, they would have. They would have known the signs to look exactly. Uh, five. The hikers left the tent at a walking pace. That's a fact. Like, if there was an avalanche, they would have gone running from that tent. Yeah, that is not a like speculation. That is yeah, one hundred percent. They left walking. And six. It still doesn't explain the radiation. <laughs> True. True that. Uh, but despite evidence to the contrary, this explanation was good enough for the police investigating, uh, because a few weeks after the last bodies were found, the case was suddenly closed at the end of May 1959, ruling all of the deaths had been caused by a, quote, natural force, and all the case files were made classified. When family members, specifically Igor's family, pushed for more information or a better explanation, they were told they would never know the truth and to stop asking questions. Huge red flag. Yeah. <laughs> uh, of course, many people having heard about the deaths from the news reported on the inquest uh, didn't buy the avalanche theory. Uh, too much of it didn't fit, as I've just gone over. And uh, so I'm also going to caveat here. This was the peak of the cold war uh yeah and in on both sides like there were people who were starting to distrust yeah the soviet union government and that's uh this is this is you know still fairly recently after uh joseph stalin has been deposed like he it so the country itself is experiencing a lot more freedom, especially for these for these, you know, college age kids essentially. Yeah. Granted they're all like early to mid twenties, but they're still students, you know, they're still learning. Yeah. For them to be able to go on this trip is 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 a big deal. Um so but yeah. Uh the real conspiracy theories though didn't pick up until after Georgi's funeral, when two hikers showed up and told his father that they had been on the mountain the night his son had died. And they remembered seeing a strange light over the mountain that they thought might have been a rocket or missile. Uh, eventually, other hikers came forward to the police claiming that they had seen bright lights over the mountain on that specific night, too. And this is... This is way before the internet. This is yeah. Way, this isn't like, hey, let's fuck with them. Like, yeah, exactly. This is multiple isolated incidents of people coming forward saying something weird was happening that night. Yes. 
Uh, when the lead investigator began connecting the timing of the lights to the deaths of the hikers, he was suddenly called to Moscow, where his higher-ups told him to stop looking into it. Red flag uh, number 374. <laughs> they suggested that his investigation might pose a danger to state security. And as it would happen, the area around the mountain was full of military test sites. <laughs> so, uh, speculation. For, so now we're going to get a little bit into some of the theories. Okay. Uh, speculation is that the campsite was in the path of a Soviet parachute mine exercise. Uh, this theory poses that the hikers, woken by loud explosions, fled the tent in a panic, which doesn't, doesn't fit, but, uh, and found themselves unable to return for their supplies. After some members froze to death trying to wait out the bombardment, others took their clothing only to be fatally injured by subsequent parachute mine concussions. Uh, there are actual records of parachute mines being tested by the Soviet military in the area around the time that the hikers were there. And I'll buy that one. Uh, parachute mines, for people that don't know, because I know you do, uh, <laughs> are designed to detonate while still in the air rather than when they hit the Earth's surface and typically produce injuries similar to what the hikers received, uh, which was heavy internal damage and much less external trauma. It's so. usually, yeah, like uh, cracked bones, mm -hmm. which screws up your organs. Might explain, like, the, the crushed chest without there being any real external bruising yeah. because of it, like... Uh, this theory also fits with sightings of glowing orbs floating or falling in the sky near the hikers, and which they may have photographed, uh, which may actually have been military aircraft or descending mines. Uh, this theory also uses scavenging animals to explain Luda's injuries. Some people believe the bodies may have been moved after death, though, due to some unnatural settling of blood found in their autopsies, as well as... Uh... Oh, I have left out a word here. Uh, as well as slight burns to some of their hair and skin. Uh, photographs of the tent after... It was found also show that it may have been erected incorrectly, something the hikers were unlikely to have done. Oh, so what people are are so what they're implying here is, is that they got killed and then they went like government went back to kind of set it up to make it look like like an accident. Like yeah, an accident. Okay, I could buy that one. I I could too. It's actually plausible. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a similar theory alleges the Soviet military was testing radiological weapons, which would explain why radiation was found on some of the hikers' clothing, as well as their bodies being described as having orange skin and gray hair. Specifically, Igor's family points this out. Uh, his, so Igor's family wouldn't let his younger sister go to the funeral because he didn't look like himself anymore, but she, she later when she was older, saw a picture of him in the casket and she said it looked nothing like him. Like his hair, his skin was like a burnt orange color and his hair was gray. Okay. So um, I, I'm, I'm going to get into that a little bit here too. Are you still talking about the 
possible radiological radio uh, weapon? Uh, or not really. So okay, uh, I buy this one, uh-huh. but not really because only one person. That's. I actually wrote in here. However, radioactivity would have affected all of the hikers, not just one or two of them. And the skin and hair discoloration can be explained by the natural process of mummification from exposure to uh, the wind and the, the snow. So, extra caveat to that, though. Mm-hmm. It is 100% possible the homeboy went out for a piss in the woods stumbled on something he wasn't supposed to and the Soviet Union cleaned up after themselves. Oh yeah. Completely. Um I also wrote in here that like yes, the skin and hair discoloration can be explained by the process of mummification, but typically mummification to the extent that he was uh takes place after 3 or more months of exposure. Igor and the and the others were found after one month. So here's the other question. Is they were found after one month, but they were also... I want to say they would be more preserved. So looking at some of the pictures, some of them are preserved. And then homeboy here looks crispy. Yeah, did you, did you pull up the picture of the him? The dude laying there with the camera around his neck? That's Sasha. Yeah, he looked, he looked crispy. He looked like... Yeah. He looked like Emotep in The Mummy. <laughs> but yeah, it's weird. Some of them look like that, where they're like desiccated. And then some of them, like Xena, who was buried in the snow, and Rustem, the same, was buried in the snow. They look like they could have just died. Like, hmm. it's it's really odd. Uh the initial suppression of files regarding the group's death by Soviet authorities is sometimes brought up as a cover-up, but the concealment of information regarding domestic incidents was standard procedure in the USSR and far uh, from peculiar. And, sorry, I had to turn a page. By the late 1980s, all of the Dyatlov files had been released in some manner. Okay. So there there really isn't the excuse that they were trying to hide everything because the files that they had were released, but you know, people like to conspiracy theory theorize. Uh, I found the names of the two people the radioactive shit was on. Hmm. Do you know their last names? Uh possibly. Uh Kolevatov? Kolodov? Scroll up to the top to see if I can see last names. I think that's Alexander. Okay. And then the other one is Kravonishenko. I, I... I'm just saying, those are the two people. Okay. I didn't that... write down their last names because I couldn't pronounce them. No, you're fine. That's <laughs> just... Those are the two. I found hmm. them. Well, that's... Neither of those is Sasha. Because okay. I actually have his last name written down. Okay, fair enough. But find a lot of good pictures and stuff, so. There there are a lot of good pictures for this one. All right. Now we're getting into one of my favorite theories. Okay. Okay. Uh so the one question that isn't really answered by other theories is 
why did Sasha seem to be poking around outside the tent by himself in the middle of the night? Okay. Uh, truthfully, though, there doesn't seem to be a solid answer, uh, partially because Sasha's backstory is pretty difficult to pin down. Uh, we know a little bit of his education regarding like him going for his master's certification in the ski education stuff. Um, and Sasha's ahead. the one that joined them later, yes, right? Okay. The 38 year old. Yeah. Uh, and a little bit of his history, but very little else. He went by Sasha, but some documents also refer to him as Alexander separate from the yeah. other Alexander and his actual legal name is Simeon. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, he served in the Red Army, which is the army for the Soviet Union. Or was. Is? Was. Was. Uh, for four years during World War II. And then he just kind of drops off the record books. Uh, with his experience and otherwise unknown background, many conspiracy theorists speculate that he was actually a KGB agent. <laughs> I mean, it's possible. Uh, he had been so determined to go up up the mountain, specifically to where the group was already headed, that he pushed to join a group of strangers after his own group, quote, canceled. So, uh, the rumors being that he was actually on a secret mission. The nature of that mission is obviously also unknown because it's pure speculation, but uh, some think that it may have been to meet up with uh, foreign agents, specifically possibly the CIA. Um, others believe he may have been spying on a group of Soviet officials under the order of another group of officials. Uh, but most theories do agree on one thing. Whatever Sasha may have been looking for, he snuck out of the tent to photograph it, Someone spotted him, and they had to intervene. That's so. your favorite theory? Oh, wait. We we get deep into it right now. So, okay. I might tread on you here. Uh-huh. Uh, my theory is, so, these are all hikers. Mm-hmm. They're all college students. Uh-huh. They had a lot of cameras with them. Mm-hmm. The theory, the wild theory that I've heard, is Sasha, the whole thing about him meeting up with them and everything, and being like, oh, I'm a, is all bullshit. Sasha was a... Was he recruiting them? He was a KGB agent who was turning on the Soviet Union, was taking them up there so they could get pictures of whatever tests the Soviet Union were conducting up there, mm. and that they were going to come back and release it and all release because they're college all. students and, and who's not going to share that stuff because of the time because of conspiracy theories one of the theories is that one of the people in the group was a plant by the CIA mm. yeah so along the same lines of where you went with him meeting with the CIA yeah that one of the one of the college students quote unquote was actually an undercover CIA agent yeah Huh. But, I say mine's not like that, but it is, it is still I, that's, pretty. That's the one I've heard that's pretty good. Uh, okay. So I even wrote, this leads to my personal favorite telling of events. Okay. So okay. operating on the idea that he's a KGB agent. Oh, Ooh, okay. Uh, and that he's he's gotten this photo, someone spots him, and they 
move to, to intervene. Okay. Uh, soldiers approach the tent, most likely by helicopter, which would have scared everyone out of the tent. They all follow orders and are marched down the mountain into the tree line before things start to get out of hand. Rustam tries to fight the soldiers off, bruising his knuckles in the process. Okay. Yuri and Georgi flee and try to climb uh, the tree to hide. Okay. Okay. In the scuffle with the soldiers, Nick is thrown back into the ravine, busting his skull on a rock. Okay. He's the one that died of the, the... major head trauma. Yep. Uh, the rest are mostly ignored. Uh, they'll die of hypothermia soon enough without proper clothes or uh, shoes, and the soldiers would have been more focused on Sasha, who had taken cover in the ravine along with Luda and Alexander. Okay. okay. Rustam, as as they're going after Sasha, Rustam gets away and goes with Igor and Zena in an attempt to get back to the tent. Okay. Uh, which may have also... Ooh. I Sorry. heard that. Sorry. <laughs> um, I lost my train of thought. Oh, but they may have also been trying to go to grab extra supplies for the people without proper clothes and shoes. Got it. Okay. Um, it was noted in the medical examination that the internal wounds to uh, Luda, Sasha, and Alexander... Um, I lost my place. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> that the internal wounds didn't appear to be caused by a human attacker. However, the Soviet special forces were trained in unique ways to kill and torture people. Uh, for example, snapping their necks, which is like what appeared to have happened to Alexander. Yeah. Or pressing down on their chests until they were crushed to death, which is what happened to Luda and Sasha. Uh, Luda also had her tongue cut out and her eyes removed, possibly as a message to uh, others or specifically to Sasha to stay silent about what they had seen. Sasha's eyes uh, were removed as well, which likely could have also been a warning not to, you know what I mean? Yeah. You you saw something you shouldn't have kind of thing. Um. The film and the camera around Sasha's neck had also been damaged beyond recognition. Of course, the soldiers would have quickly discovered that Sasha wasn't a foreign agent after all. Uh, and if word got out that Soviets, Soviet special forces had accidentally killed a KGB agent, whoever had led the attack would obviously be in for some fucking serious consequences. Oh, yeah. uh, so... By the time they realized their mistake, the rest of the campers had already died from hypothermia. Uh, all they would have to do would be to literally cover their tracks by smoothing out the extra footprints in the snow, um, which could explain why the hikers' footprints disappeared 1,600 feet from you know, after they had yeah, started leaving sense. the tent. I see what you're saying. Uh, the four bodies in the ravine would be buried under several feet of snow to make it look like there had been an avalanche that killed them. By the time the rescue party found them, obviously it was a month later, but if they had ever found them, is the idea, uh, it looked convincingly enough like a freak accident. Uh, now, 
there is zero evidence to support that this is true. Yeah. So but... is, is the theory that Sasha maybe went out and took a, the picture he took with the bright light in the sky might have been a helicopter? Possibly. Okay. Um, But there's also no evidence that this isn't true. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the ultimate conspiracy uh, justification. And to be fair, compared to other conspiracy theories surrounding the case, <sighs> including one that the group saw a Yeti and got scared. Yo, don't. Don't. Don't mess around. It could be a Yeti. It's not a Yeti. It could have been a Yeti. It's not a Yeti. Lindsay? Uh, this one could be plausible. I think they're all plausible. Hmm. Including a Yeti. <laughs> uh, I will also point out that in April 2018... So just two years ago, Sasha's remains were exhumed for, uh, upon the initiative of journalists from a Russian tabloid. Uh, they had forensic experts re-examine his body and actually found contradictory evidence from yeah. the original investigation. Uh one of the forensic experts did say that Sasha's injuries were characteristic of someone knocked down by a car, but not necessarily crushed by it. Okay. And the DNA analysis did not reveal any similarity to the DNA of his living relatives. Uh, in addition, it was discovered that the name Simeon Zolotarev, which is his real legal name, uh, which had it been engraved on the headstone where he was buried uh, was not on the list of people buried at the cemetery from which he'd been exhumed. So we're getting into, this isn't even the dude. Yeah. Okay. Uh, nevertheless, experts agreed that the facial reconstruction done on Sasha's skull was similar enough to a few post-war photos of Sasha. Bro, I could I could edit some software to make that happen. Like, right. Uh, the journalists still expressed suspicions that another person had been hiding under Sasha's name after World War II. Hiding under Sasha's name? Or these kids knew some shit. <laughs> Sasha offered to lead them, got them in the middle of nowhere, went out of the tent to signal his buddies to come in and fucking take care of him. They plan a body. Faking Sasha's death. Sasha drinking fucking margaritas down in Argentina right now. I mean, fair enough. That Sasha was net. Sasha was a KGB agent. Every every i every article that I have found insinuates that Sasha seemed to be the last person to die. Like all of his injuries and everything indicate that he died. <laughs> indicate that he was the last person to die. So. I mean... Think about it. Yeah. Like, that fits, because it makes sense, because if he led them there, mm-hmm. maybe the whole hiking this thing is a cover-up. Maybe there were fucking CIA agents involved. Maybe he was a KGB taking out sleeper cells, but went up to the pass, went outside at night, signals his buddies, mm-hmm. comes back in the tent, fucking cuts it open, and goes, let's go. <laughs> I mean... Walk. It's possible. Gets them out away from the tent. Helicopter comes down. Guys get out. And that's why they scrubbed 1,600 feet away from the tent. Mm -hmm. Because there were no other footprints up to the tent. Yeah. And then when uh, they need the 10th body for Sasha, they 
dump a body. Yeah. <laughs> Blew the shit wide open. <laughs> All right. So we're kind of, I'm going to start kind of wrapping up the, the theories here. Um, but that one personally was my favorite. Like, okay. what? No, go on. Uh, so the lead police investigator who had been told by his superiors to drop the subject Okay. Uh, speculated that the lights seen in the sky the night of the deaths weren't rockets, but alien spacecrafts. Okay. You said you were starting to wrap up conspiracies and theories and shit. And I was like, you better be talking about aliens at some point. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, some of the bodies did have unexplained burn marks and some burnt clothing, uh, as well as some of the surrounding trees having scorch marks, which to him, indicated that the group had been attacked by a hyper-advanced heat ray. Obviously, okay. this doesn't really fit the rest of the evidence, especially because the group did the exact opposite of burn to death. Yeah, uh, so my favorite is the theory that <sighs> Sasha went out, saw something in the sky, took a picture, like, hey guys, come look at this. That God, what was the theory? That eight of the remaining nine followed him mm-hmm. away from the tent. They saw this alien ship. Um, the last one that stayed in the tent stayed in there, but got freaked out and cut their way out of the tent to mm. follow them. Okay. And that's that tenth set of footprints that's inside the others because yeah. whoever it was was catching up to them. And was chase, and literally tracing their steps to go mm-hmm. up them. And that the reason the two dudes have radiation on them is because they came in contact with the alien ship. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. That was how they explained it. Okay. Huh. And not that they were attacked, but, but... that they, they visit aliens. is like one of the things, one of the big theories with like aliens and shit. Is it them, because we don't understand how their technology would work, there's a good chance that it would be using some kind of radiation technology that coming through the atmosphere, it would, their metal on the ship might be radioactive. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. So if that were the case and they got close to an alien ship, maybe, maybe they all died of radiation poisoning. Yeah. And the KGB or whoever the fuck is covering this up, screwed up and two people's clothing clothing didn't get swapped or didn't get scrubbed or didn't yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that's just another one I've heard if you were going <laughs> to talk aliens. I didn't dive super deep into the alien one, sorry. I like aliens, so. I know you do. Alright. Uh, so now we're going to get back to like natural force kind of causes. Yeah, the boring ones. Unfortunately. In 2019, a new investigation was started. I was going to bring this up. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) Uh, Supposedly to lay to rest most of the conspiracy theories, if not all of them. Uh, According, sorry, hiccup. According to a government spokesperson, the idea that the Russian government had anything to do with the incident was, quote, absolutely out of the question. Which is exactly what I would say if the government was behind the fucking incident. (laughs) Immediately after that, I wrote, yeah, okay. Uh, they also said they were focusing on three potential causes, an avalanche, a snow slab avalanche, or a hurricane. So I've already discussed the flaws in the avalanche theory. 
Like there's, yeah. there's just too much that doesn't fit with that one. Um, a snow slab avalanche, which is when essentially an entire sheet of snow detaches from the snow underneath it. The whole thing slides down. It's a giant slab of snow. Okay. Uh, this one is also very unlikely because the if a snow slab avalanche had hit the tent, the tent would have been more damaged than it was. Uh, and even if one had happened nearby and the sound of it had frightened everyone out of the tent, it still doesn't explain the injuries unless somehow there was a second slab that only hit four people while everyone else was only was perfectly fine 250 feet away and there was also no damage to the surrounding trees i think we can rule us for this bullshit yeah okay uh three a hurricane and i just put what so Uh, go ahead the mountain is approximately 500 miles away from the nearest body of water a hurricane, in the traditional sense of a hurricane, happening there would be like a hurricane in the Gulf of Mexico killing hikers in Kansas. Now, I do have a similar theory to a hurricane, but but not, not a hurricane as we know hurricanes to be. So, I did look this up mm-hmm. because I knew it was coming. There is such a thing as hurricanes in central Russia. They don't, they don't, they move like hurricanes, but they're, they're not like, it's like a cyclone, but it's, it's a hurricane in the, okay. tra- it's not like, cause traditional sense hurricane is tropical water. Yeah. You know, whatever. It's a storm that moves like a hurricane. It's actually like, I actually just pulled open. I'm probably getting put on some fucking watch list at this point. Cause I still put a Russian news site, <laughs> but this is. Three years ago. If you mention a catabatic wind, I'm already going to get into that, so. I don't Okay. see that word. I don't even know what the fuck you just said. Okay. Uh, but this is a news article from three years ago. Hurricane sweeps across central Russia, wreaking havoc on 180 roofs and 2,000 cars. Wind gusts took down more than 6,500 trees. So hurricanes in central Russia are possible. That's all I wanted to say. Okay. Because I, I did the same, the same thing. I'm like, a fucking hurricane? That's the best cover you could come from. <laughs> right? Fucking hurricane hit it. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> like, at that point, you might as well just admit you don't you don't know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, uh, other possible natural causes that I feel like are probably, like, one of them is meh, but... They're okay. probably both better than an avalanche, a snow slab, or a hurricane. Or hurricane. Uh, so the first one is infrasound. You've probably heard of this one. I'm pretty sure I have. Uh, infrasound is essentially a strange pitch of sound that can can induce panic attacks in humans. Uh, it creates a physical discomfort and mental distress uh, that essentially... I don't want to say it drives you crazy, but it, it makes you react to it. It's like a, it's almost like that, that, like the mosquito, the high pitch. Kind of. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, so the idea is that the way Kolatsiakl 
is shaped the way the way the topography the is that the wind created infrasound where the hikers were camping okay. uh, and basically the distress of it would have driven them to leave the tent in a hurry again doesn't fit because we know they walked yeah. away and by the time they regained their composure they couldn't find their tent in the dark which might explain why some of them climbed a tree to maybe try to see it from afar. Um, And the, uh, essentially four people that were in the ravine uh, stumbled into it, landing blindly on the rocks below, which would explain some of their injuries. Uh, But no evidence of any infrasound has been found on Kolatsiakal, and uh, no real evidence, sorry, there is no real evidence that infrasound can actually cause physical reactions like that. Okay. Like, it's it's purely a theory. So, uh, the last one is a catabatic wind. And this is, this is the one I was... Yeah. Uh, basically... They're winds that can reach hurricane strength and speeds. Okay. Which wouldn't have been completely unlikely, considering we know that they were walking through like whiteout conditions at some points, and that like like the the one point where Igor describes the wind as feeling like a jet blast into his yeah. face, like um. So, as an example, uh, in 1978 in Sweden, uh, what does that say? Oh, no, I think I just scribbled that out. Uh, some, <laughs> I thought it was a number. Uh, skiers were killed by a catabatic wind in an area with a similar topography and wind conditions to the Dyatlov Pass. I mean, I guess, it, I wonder if... The wind, the sudden burst of wind made them think it was an avalanche. It's possible. And they cut their way out. And just kind of... And realized it wasn't an avalanche. Like, let's go. Yeah. Let's get Basically. to the trees because maybe it'll offer a break from the wind. Yeah. That, that's entirely possible. Uh, I do feel like this is the most logical explanation. But it, again, doesn't explain the radiation or the missing body parts. Um, it is theorized, though, that the wind was so bad that it was, like, essentially pushing against the tent, and for whatever reason, the campers weren't able to get out of the entrance of the tent, so they cut the hole in the side to walk out, and then made their way to the tree line to, like you said, to take a a bit of shelter Shelter from from the the wind. wind. Uh, and then the idea is that the four that were found in the ravine had gone farther into the tree line to build a like temporary shelter with snow, almost like like how an igloo, like an igloo. igloo would be. Uh, but they were over a, a ravine and they fell into a snow hole that had formed because of the stream running through the ravine. So... Uh, to wrap it all up, there's obviously a lot of theories, some of which I didn't even cover because there's just too many. So I just kind of went with my favorites and the ones that the government tried to 
Used. Let's talk about the most possible. The Yeti. Uh, no single explanation, uh, no single one explains everything without jumping through bizarre hoops and logic, basically. Like, every single theory doesn't fit perfectly. Uh, and um, part of the reason I wanted to do this was because, like, I had been reading up on it, and then uh, a podcast that I listened to, it's called Supernatural with Ashley Flowers, uh, who has the most soothing voice. If no one's listened to her, they really should go listen to her. Um, she did a whole episode on this, and I pulled a lot of my information from her as well. Um, but she summed it up at the very end of her episode, and I, I just want to quote what she said. Uh, she said, Occam's Razor says the simplest solution is usually the correct one, but there is no simple solution here, only varying degrees of insanity. So... And just to finish it off, on July 11th, 2020, so this month... Oh, you blowing my mind because I didn't know this piece. Okay, hit me with it. The deputy head of the Urals uh, Federal something or other, it, basically the person that investigates things that happen on the mountain, Okay. announced that an avalanche is the, quote, official cause of death for the group. Oh, so that means they closed their investigation. investigation. I did not know that they closed that investigation. Yep. So, uh, before we wrap this up, I do want to throw my little piece piece into here. Uh Uh, So when you talk about when they reopen the investigation. Yes. So there were actually two, technically. Yeah, Uh, yeah. This is the one in 2019. Yeah. So, I was like, one happened in 2015. Uh, nothing really changed, and then they reopened in 2019. So in 2019, they had three those three theories. According to them, they were the most likely theories out of a list of 75. Yeah. There were 75 <laughs> theories, theories. And those are the three most likely. Yeah. I just... I feel like they could have done better choosing the most likely. No, because natural causes is the easy one to go with. Like, a, well, no, a but I mean, disaster. like, like the catabatic wind. That's one of the known theories. I feel like that's more likely than a hurricane on a mountaintop. I mean, think about it this way: if a hurricane in two that late two thousand seventeen destroyed central Russia, they could just be like, "Yo, it was a hurricane." You guys saw how bad that one was. <laughs> These poor bastards on the mountain didn't make it. True, I guess. Like that hurricane I was talking about killed people yeah in in russia so but did it climb a mountain no i don't know <laughs> um yeah this one this that was really creepy the way you said no just now this one's really interesting um i could have i could have oh yeah dove into that for hours and there were so many articles that like like, i didn't read completely through i just had to skim because i would have sat there for hours like Lindsay said she listened to a podcast that covered this um i did too last podcast last podcast on the left covered this and you know yeah it's it's a comedy horror (laughs) podcast but it was uh they like they same thing they were baffled they no one understands what happened uh yeah my honest opinion it's a government cover-up they yeah. stumbled onto something yeah uh whether they were taken up there especially to be put for, out to 
Well, and especially for that time frame in Russia, there, there was the a world. lot of shit. There was a lot of shit they were not talking about or didn't the, want people to know. I mean, or well, it's it's we've talked about it in the past. I think it was on one of my episodes that you're talking peak of the Cold War, U.S. versus Russia. This was getting into the space race, and well, this was you didn't want to look weak. You had to close player cards close to the chest because you were trying to outdo each other. So it wouldn't surprise me if they were secretly testing stuff. They accidentally killed these people. Yeah. Or again, they, they were in on it and they got killed. Or... To, to get rid of some spies. You know, yeah. this it there's so much beyond this. And what is the craziest part is all the red flags that are raised because uh I am going to do an episode eventually on Area 51. Mm-hmm. Um, but it reminds you of Area 51, where they... Area 51, really quickly, was testing new experimental planes. Yeah. Right? New experimental aircraft. And the public saw lights in the skies like, it's UFOs. And the government, it was definitely wasn't UFOs. So that made people go, oh shit, it's UFOs. The government's yeah. covering it up. Uh, Anything to get their attention away from the actual like military planes that they yeah. were testing. So why, if the and this is this is the conspiracy part, and this is where my my side comes out. If you are sticking by the, this was a natural disaster essentially that killed these people. Why do you start off the conversation with there were seventy five possible theories including alien abduction and a cover-up yeah but we ruled it a natural disaster (laughs) it just it doesn't add it really doesn't and again like area 51 in the early days Mm -hmm. there's plenty of records of people being told to let this shit go and to not dig any deeper in stop asking questions stop asking questions don't don't worry about it and we had two separate occasions Mm-hmm. In this one where, you know, the families were told, you're never going to know the truth. Stop asking questions. And then a fucking, like, lead police investigator was told the same thing. Yeah. So, good topic. Really Thanks. enjoyed this one. Are you glad to not be doing the, the strange deaths anymore? Yes. I'm not going to lie. I I started looking into this topic like after we, right after we did the first episode of Unusual Deaths. And I immediately wanted to do it. And it was just like... It, it was really difficult, like, reading up on it so much and not being able to to, to do that as the topic. Yeah. All right, I think it's time to start wrapping this bitch up. It's 11.32. Yeah, considering, considering this episode's supposed to be posted in, like, half an hour. I have 28 minutes to edit it and upload it and then go straight to sleep because i got to be at work in the morning. <laughs> so. Yeah. So anyway, thank you for listening. If you uh, if you enjoyed it, uh, this was a good one. I, I really enjoyed it. I did too. Yeah, I, I had yourself. a lot of fun telling it and researching it and everything. So this was one I knew a lot about, mm-hmm. but it was still cool to sit and listen to you and you know input my theories that you didn't consider. Yeah. Um. Oh. Did I have wait, any wait, wait. that? I'm bringing it back. I fucking pulled up a notepad and typed this up. The Two things that really, really, really bugged me about this story. One is the camera with the damaged film. Yeah. 
there were five fucking cameras on this expedition. Yeah. The only one with damaged film was the one around Sasha's neck. Uh-huh. It was the Which only leads you one to believe... present that had film after the day before this. I don't what? know if you know that. So, all the other cam- cameras, the last pictures were taken on January 31st. Okay. There's speculation that Sasha was taking pictures up to the moment it happened. they died. Yeah. Um, The other one that really bugs me, I can't remember what person it is, who the fuck dies clutching a pen and a notepad with nothing That's Sasha. It. it was Sasha. It was Sasha? Yeah. And the idea is that he either wrote something down and someone ripped it out. That's or wh- that he died before he could write anything nope. down. But 100%. no way. You don't die of hypothermia quickly. No. If you are at the point where you're going to even if it's gibberish, you are going to write something down. It's not going to be a blank piece of paper. And if you've still got dexterity enough to hold on to those things, yeah, you're going to Exactly. Like a like a 2-year-old with a crayon, you're going to fist it, <laughs> grab it with a whole fist. Yeah. And just it, it might not even be coherent. Mm-hmm. But you don't die clutching a pen and pad and have nothing on it. Yeah. Just wanted to throw that out there. I literally had <laughs> a little notepad that I was typing on when you were talking and I never got back to it. But anyway, now I got that out of my system. <laughs> um, yeah, if you enjoyed it, find our social media stuff. Uh, com has the links to all of them. Yep. You can hit us up on them all, like us, share us. Follow us, subscribe. Spread the word. Rate us on that iTunes. Yep, spread the word. Let people know. Yep. By the way, I am Jamie, and I'm very tired, and I'm going to edit this and go to sleep. So I will catch you next week. And I'm Lindsay. Good night. Okay, thanks. Love you. Bye.